Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Do you ever feel stuck in your career? Have you prepared yourself to be able to see the opportunities around you? Today on Conflict Managed, we are joined by Judy Long, President and Chief Operating Officer of First Citizens National Bank, representing 25 Tennessee locations and $2.4 billion in assets. Judy has been part of the first CNB team since 1974 with 48 years of service to her bank, community, and industry. Listen as Judy talks about the power of mentors, confidence, and strong support systems. She encourages us to do work that is beneficial for all concerned, commit to long-term goals, to consider the difference in attitude between thinking of what you do at work as either a job or a career, and to hold conversations about mistakes and conflicts with, preferably, open minds. Judy ends our conversation discussing the impactful work of the Smart Women Program and her vision for healthy work environments. Good morning, Judy, and welcome to Conflict Managed. We're so happy to have you. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for, for inviting me, and I'm really happy and, and pleased to be able to do this podcast for you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. Will you tell us a little bit about your work history? Uh, yes, I started in banking uh, in 1972 at First Citizens National Bank, which is still my employer. Uh, I've been employed here for 47 years. Um, absolutely uh, like coming to work each and every day of my life. I believe as long as you like what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So I feel like that's what I'm doing, Mary, uh, uh, is just coming in and enjoying myself a lot. So I uh, started uh, in banking as a teller, uh, learned banking from the ground up, as they say, or the floor up. I uh, literally uh, walked in uh, to the job and started as a teller in a branch environment. I uh, learned transactional banking and learned uh, as well as customer service, which is really our business is serving the customer. So uh, I, I learned that very early, that the customer is always right uh, and that we need to deliver what our slogan is, is unbelievably good service. So I uh, went from being a teller in the bank uh, to moving up to the loan operations division. I uh, worked in a, a lot of uh, departments within the bank over my career, uh, but I, I think I credit my career to the fact that I moved up to the loan division and in the operations area, it's really where I really learned what I was best at. And that's organization, uh, not necessarily just transactional business, but organizing, uh, organizing projects and organizing job related activities and policies or procedures and, and the development of that. So I, I think that's probably where I learned the most about banking. I uh, went to work, there for a, uh, for who would later become the president, CEO, and chairman of the board of the bank. And um, one of my first female mentors, actually, in the banking industry. So uh, from that, I went into uh, management of the bank uh, as chief operating officer. And now today, I'm president and chief operating officer of First Citizens National Bank, 
our bank at that time, I started out was less than $100 million. And today we're $2.4 billion with 24 offices across the state. So saw a lot of growth in banking, a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunities. And I think I was prepared for those opportunities, took them. And uh, today being president of the bank has been one of my favorite things to do. That's a wonderful story. Well, I love that. And I love what you said towards the end of being prepared and then taking the opportunities as they came your way. Absolutely. Got to do that, Mary. I I believe there's always challenges in life. It's how you face those challenges that will make a difference in your life. And if you're prepared for those challenges and prepared for those opportunities, whether it's through education or whether it's through your own life experiences, uh, whether it's just through uh, commitment and dedication uh, uh, to whatever you choose to do or whatever that challenge is and being prepared and, and being able uh, to move through that commitment is, is, is an excellent thing to do. Yes. So when you started the bank in 1972, had you finished college? Was this a first job out of college? No, actually, I was a sophomore in college at that point in time. I, I went to Dysburg State Community College, started out there. Uh, in 1972, I graduated with an associate's degree, and I thought that was probably all I'd ever need. So took a little hiatus, as they say, and came in to work in the bank, and then later on realized that if I really wanted a career, uh, it was going to take a little more than, a, than an associate's degree. So then I went back to Union University and I received a degree there in uh, finance and business and finance. So my major was finance. That's really interesting that. So it was your job in college that you found your passion. It was. I, I actually I think I found my passion. I like to say that that, you know, I knew exactly what I wanted to do in my career when I started a college. But that's not true. Um uh, <laughs> I really thought I was uh, in college. Uh, matter of fact, my sophomore year right out, I married my husband, Roger, uh, who is a farmer. And I was I was raised, born and raised on a farm. So I thought farm life might be more of, of what I would do with my life and with my career uh, in supporting him. But I later learned that uh, I really liked banking when I started to work. And that was before I, I was married. So uh, I learned I like banking and I like finance, but more than that, I really like being in a project, being in something that I could control. My mother said I was born a boss. So I, I, I think I like being boss. I like uh, being in control. Uh, but what I really like most is just working in a team environment and listening to the team and, and watching that team develop and grow and, and taking a project and watching it start in the infancy stage and watch it develop over, over time to, to, to really be something that is very uh, instrumental to the operations of the bank and, and customer service. So that's what I learned. That's what I like. And I'm, I'm thrilled to, to be here doing that. You know, I see this parallel between um, farming and as you describe your banking career, because you know, so much of farming, what it doesn't really matter what you're farming, you see this growth and development and the, the thrill of, of, of tending to, to market or harvest. Absolutely. Well, it, it, I, I think it's, it's like you, you would use an analogy of, 
a farmer, you know, puts the plant in the ground and then it begins to fertilize it and to water it and to watch it grow. And then later on, it comes down to harvest time. And, and at harvest time, then you reap the benefits of, of, of what you did over that period of time. So um, I think growing up on a farm, it, I absolutely learned that I like to watch things grow. I like to develop and, and watch things come to fruition and be for the greater good of, of all. So um, it's a, uh, I think that's what makes me tick most is um, it's just those types of activities. So uh, it's just fun. That's wonderful. It's wonderful to think that about your job. I think that about my job. I uh, was just on vacation this past weekend with my family, which I enjoyed, but I was looking forward to coming back in on Monday. We we take time off and we enjoy time off. I, I think the saying goes, you learn to work hard and you learn to play hard. And both of those help to be a better work life balance. And so if we can, if we can enjoy both, then I think that's just a great benefit of a good life. Don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. So looking over your work history, you've been at this bank for a very long time, but you've also been involved in many different endeavors and on different um, boards. When you think about the different experiences you've had with the different teams and organizations, what is the best experience you've had with an institution, a person? Um, can you tell us about that? So, Mary, uh, you're right. I have I've served on national boards. I've served on regional boards. I've served on and chaired most boards that are in my community uh, today. I mean, Life Choices, uh, United Way, all of those types of boards I've, I've been a part of. Today, I'm actually a part of West Tennessee uh, Healthcare Foundation. I'm chairman of that board for Dyer County. And I also chair, and, and you'll see something that, that comes to, I think, that'll make you think, again, it's, it's something that I enjoy doing. I'm also uh, the, the chairperson of the Learning for Legacy campaign at Dysburg State Community College because I serve on their foundation board. So I have learned over the years, I, I like fundraising. Uh, again, that goes back to interaction with people. It goes back to watching growth. I mean, you start at ground zero with a balance and maybe your goal is $1.2 million. And when you hit go, everybody gets to celebrate. So that's been a really good experience for me to be able to serve on those boards uh, along with working at, you know, in my, in my bank job, uh, all of that has to deal with the, you can guess that money. Uh, so I, I enjoy, I enjoy working with money. I, I enjoy watching funds grow. I enjoy what the benefits of both the bank, and the foundation boards and, and those boards that I chair, how they benefit the community and the people in the community. So that just starts with, with, uh, with, with a goal, but it also helps so many within your communities. And you see growth and benefit. And you know, I'm in the Rotary Club, and I've been president of our Rotary Club a couple of times. And, and one of our slogans in Rotary, it says it needs to be beneficial to all concerned. And so I believe that when you're chairing those types of foundations, those types of boards, and you're raising money and you're benefiting that, you're benefiting the entire community. And sometimes you're benefiting the world because, uh, again, some of those benefit students from wherever that come in here on scholarships. And that's what we're doing. We're raising scholarship funds to benefit the lives of others. So I think that's been a great experience that my job has allowed me to do. And one that I would say I've enjoyed a lot uh, and I've got really good at 
some aspects of that along with working with a team that's even better than I am at it. You mentioned early on about a mentor that you had. Could you tell us about your mentor? Yeah, my mentor, and, and you know, I'm going to just name a name here because uh, I, I think it's uh, it, it gives great respect to her. Her name was Katie Winchester, uh, and Katie was the first woman really within Tennessee banking that – that hit the the first the Regency wall at Tennessee Bankers, uh, and Katie started out in. I mean, let's face it, banking was a man's world practically back in the seventies and the eighties. There wasn't very many females within the top leadership roles in banks, uh, and so she she paved the way. She kind of broke down some of the glass walls, if you would. Uh, and, and became a great mentor to me. One of the reasons that I decided, you know, two years of college wasn't enough. You need to go back and get that degree. And then after that, I needed to go to banking school. I needed to go to the School of Management of Banking. I needed to go to a lot of other schools that, that really give, you know, my resume, the, the education that I have today. But she was a great mentor in that, believed in education, believed in the success of women, and she believed that you had to be dedicated, you had to work hard, and you had to work smart. Uh, and with that, success would come as long as, again, I will say, you're prepared and you're available and ready for those opportunities and you take them. It is so lovely to have somebody notice us and speak truth to us. And we might think, oh, I'm fine. Yes. I've got my education. But when somebody says, but if this is what your yeah. goal is, that's mm -hmm. not sufficient. You need to do more. That's right. That's it. And, you know, Katie did not have a college degree, uh, but yet she reached the pinnacle of being president and CEO of a, of a large bank. The bank grew in asset growth uh, tremendously under her. And she also reached the level of being chairman of the board. And she reached the level of serving on the Federal Reserve Board in St. Louis and a lot of national boards, which really made me to aspire to do some of the same. And so that's why I've served on national boards like the, the National ACH Association Board out of D.C. Uh, it, it just helped me to, to, to really reach up. And, and when those opportunities come to make sure I was I was ready and then I said yes. And I didn't let those opportunities pass because once you say no to an endeavor that maybe it, it's, it's hard for them to come back a second time and ask you, would you like to do that again? Because you said no the first time. Right. Yeah. So. It's, sometimes it's not convenient in your schedule. Uh, it's not convenient in your life, you, but you just have to say, you know what, I'm dedicated. I want that. I, I need, that. That's something I need to do if I want my career to expand and grow. And it's an opportunity, so take it. I really like what you said about how she was a role model. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, uh, maybe a, a little girl doesn't know she can be a doctor because she doesn't see female doctors. It's more than that. It's as you said, it's yes. what what does somebody in your position, what does a bank president do? Not just be bank president, right? It's that's right. That's right. Everything else. That's exactly right. There are there's a lot of community work and, and leadership work within the profession itself, within the banking associations, whether it's Tennessee Bankers Association, American Bankers Association, the Federal Reserve. There are so many other organizations around banking that we have to be a part of and, and, and learn to endorse and, and contribute to, whether it's time, whether it's our resources, 
but contribute too, just for the growth of the industry. And we are part of the industry. We're one bank and there's, you know, 5,000 banks across the country, but we have to make certain that we contribute to that growth, particularly if we want the banking industry to change and, and to be able to have our part in molding that industry. So, um, yes, that's that's a true statement. A lot of what I'm interested in doing is helping to normalize conflict. Conflict is normal. It's a part of life. Uh, we can have a wonderful team and still sometimes um, have unmanaged conflict where we're just not meeting eye to eye and it's difficult for us. Can you tell us about a time that was difficult for you in your job? Yeah, Mary, uh, I, you know, I, I, it's hard to pick one time. <laughs> uh, because when you've been in, in 47 years of banking and you started out in the 70s and uh, you have to think that, uh, again, you go back to uh, that there were a lot of suits during that time and, and, and not very many females uh, in the industry. So there was a lot of conflict. There were times when you wanted to just say, I quit. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to continue. Uh, I don't want to continue this because. Uh, literally, uh, when you feel like you're doing your best and, and you think that you are are qualified and you can do a job as good or as well as anybody else, but you get overlooked. Uh, and you get overlooked not basically because of qualifications, but maybe banking was more of a job for, for men than for females. And females had a place in banking. They just wasn't in the executive suite. Uh, I'm so glad that's changed. I'm so glad that I can tell you that 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 has absolutely changed. So I think the greatest conflict that I had uh, within that was was not just once or twice, but but it, it was a few times of just feeling like I was overlooked and for all the wrong reasons. And so that was conflict within myself that was caused by an environment. Uh, but I had to work through that. I had to I had to sometimes pull myself up, uh, as we say, on the farm by the bootstraps. And and to realize that, you know, I, I really am knowledgeable. I really do understand banking and I really do have something to contribute. So that means don't let that stop you. Just break through that glass barrier and go on. And so uh, that wasn't just one conflict. That was uh, that was a, a few years of conflict, basically. So how do you do that? I mean, that's a tough environment when you are doing your best and you're there day in and day out. How do you find that? How do you stay positive? Is it a support system? Is it a, belief, a set of beliefs? You know, Mary, it's both. It's belief in yourself. It's absolutely confidence. I just call it confidence. And, and I call it commitment to the goal. You can see a goal. And I mean, sometimes a goal looks like it's very short term, but, but there are goals in life that you're, you're going to reach a step of a goal. And, and, but then the, the goal is really long term. And so you've got to stay visioned and, and, and focused on that long-term goal and what you really want to achieve. And, you know, I'm going to go back. My husband was a, was a fabulous mentor to me. Uh, Roger Long has told me time and time again uh, that you can do anything you want to do, just go do it. And so when you've got the support system at home, and, and I mean, he's allowed me, uh, again, to travel and to be a, so much a part of the industry but I had a support system here at First Citizens. I had a lot of friends, male and female. I'm just so glad that literally uh, I didn't feel the barriers in this bank that I think the industry as a whole and women in the industry as a whole felt. Because in this bank, I had great 
I had mentors that were also men and, and they literally would, would help me through a lot of those struggles uh, and give me good advice. I, I had one, uh, one of my dear friends, he's on the, serves on the board of directors. I serve on the board at First Citizens now. So we're still, we're still uh, serving on that board, good friends. He retired from this bank. And literally one night he told me, Judy, what you've got to know is for you to be successful is that everybody doesn't come to work for a career. Some people come for a job and there's a difference in the commitment to the job and to the career. You expect everybody to want a career. That's not what happens. That's not everybody's goal. So you've got to learn to understand the difference. So I think I had good support systems like that in this bank and, and, and it was around me and surrounding me and they kept giving me lots of opportunities. And so it really helped my confidence to, to, to stay firm and to, to build continuously. Uh, and great men in the bank, Stalin's Lipford, who was the president and CEO then, uh, gave me a great opportunity. Katie, a uh, great opportunity. Others in this bank uh, I serve on the board with today that I've worked with uh, throughout the banking industry and just great mentors within both men and women. So I think that's how you do it. You just go to those support systems. And I think, you know, we can find support systems. You know, if you don't think you have any, you can start looking around. Okay, what mm -hmm. is my circumstance? Who mm -hmm. are those people who want me to succeed? Yeah. And this idea of um, a career, when you're in it for the long haul, and that's, that's what I tell myself a lot because mm -hmm. I'm playing the long game. I, sure. I have a vision. It's not just a job for me. It is a career. And so I feel like I'm making different kinds of choices and I see um, opportunities where maybe I didn't see them before. And I think you will, uh, Mary. I, I, I think when you choose a career, there will be opportunities. And sometimes if you blink, you might miss one, correct? Yes. And so you want, you want to stay really focused. And, and, and I think being really visionary, uh, it's really important to have that vision uh, of what your career needs to be. Don't let others make those decisions for you. Cause I heard you say you make a lot of decisions and, you know, we, we've got choices all along the way and it's how we make those choices that really determine maybe how much faster we get to the end goal than, than not. So and we're going to make some choices that we look back. Hindsight's twenty twenty, So you're going to look back and say, oh, I only wish. Well, you know what? Don't dwell on that. Just dwell on what the next step is. Learn from, learn from what you, what I want to call a mistake or from a decision that I could have made better. Just learn from that and move on forward and take the next steps forward because looking back only helps you to stay back. It doesn't help you to move to where you want to go. I, I completely agree. Mistakes, we're all going to make mistakes. And if you are completely risk adverse, then you're not going to move forward. But, no. you know, that's how we grow. And um, I just made a mistake yesterday and I had the opportunity to fix it. And I learned and you just keep on going. And that's life. I mean, if you expect no mm -hmm. mistakes, mm -hmm. those are mm -hmm. wrong expectations. Well, I think when you just said that mistakes, I mean, we're going to make mistakes. We're leading people. We're leading groups, right? We're, we're, we're interacting with individuals every day. And so being able to acknowledge those mistakes. And I had one of my employees one time that I've worked with for over 20 years now, but 
I think one of the most profound statements she made to me, she came to my office one day and and, and we were in a, a, a mentoring session and talking about what was next steps for her career. And she actually told me she had learned something from me that that she learned that it was okay to apologize and to say, I made a mistake. I wish I had not have done that. I wish I had not have said those words or I wish that that would have turned out differently. I made a mistake. Can, can, can we just forget this happened and move forward? And she said, I learned from you that day. And she said, to be able to just say I made a mistake and, and, and to make amends for it and then move on. I think that's one of the, hardest things maybe that we do uh, as individuals but it maybe have the greatest impact on us as individuals so yeah just acknowledging our mistakes and owning up and and taking ownership and move on right we want to be in these human-centric workplaces where they're built for humans well humans do mm-hmm. wonderful things and sometimes we have bad days and sometimes mm-hmm. with all the planning it just doesn't go as we want well we keep on going on, but acknowledging it, not um, sweeping it under the rug, just like with conflicts. As you know, the sooner you address it, the, the less harm it's allowed to cause and wreak havoc in our organizations. That's right. And we're all going to have conflict. Um, I am working with the individual uh, really uh, right now that's having conflict within, within their work life. Uh, and it's a, it's a, a conflict with their management. And so how do I deal with those conflicts with my management when management doesn't have an open ear, when management doesn't uh, have the, or create the type of culture where we can have these open conversations. So it's very difficult to deal with that conflict. So, and then to give advice to an individual to deal with that conflict in a very closed minded uh, managed managed organization it's very difficult to do uh, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with it and move on because it can cause so much conflict within our own daily lives and really right down to some health issues if we don't deal with that conflict and we just keep on letting it uh, build within us so uh, conflict is there we've got to manage it we've got to acknowledge it and talk it over. I find the best thing to do is sit down and have a conversation uh, about conflict. Everybody with an open mind, hopefully, but sometimes the mind's not open, but you still have got to talk about it Uh, because there is no sweeping conflict under a rug because sooner or later, it's going to come out in a great big bubble uh, and that bubble could burst. And then there's probably harsh words, harsh feelings, and maybe you can't manage that to where, uh, it could be what you could move forward with. It may be the end of a relationship or, or a job. So conflict has to be managed. Right. And it as you mentioned, it takes us off mission when we are caught in a conflict. Mm-hmm. We think, is that person going to be here? Are they going to be on my team? Are they going to try to whatever? Now we're yeah. not thinking about the work that we're doing. We're not thinking about being a team member or a customer service because it's just biological, our brains are caught up in this fog. And it seems that we want our organizations, um, insofar as we want our organizations to flourish, that means we have to have healthy employees and a healthy atmosphere to bring that about. Well, and a culture with a lot of conflict is not a healthy culture, not a healthy work environment. So we have to, we have to do that. So when it comes to management, that is uh, not listening and not open and maybe not empathetic. 
The wonderful thing about a conflict and dealing with conflict is that it's skills that managers can learn. A lot of people are promoted mm -hmm. in every organization because they're good at what they do. Maybe they're a good banker and so they get promoted. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that they have the skills. And insofar as, I mean, the people skills. And insofar as an organization doesn't have a robust way to come alongside and maybe insist on having yes. those listening yes. skills, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, Mary, that's why I think at First Citizens uh, and, and with our Smart Women program that we are really trying to provide that education uh, and talking about how to manage conflict because it's in every organization. It's in, right. I mean, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's a civic organization or town or city or, or, or whatever, county, uh, it's in organizations. And so I, I think for us to learn how to manage conflict, it's really important for our organizations to have a, a good, healthy culture uh, and an environment that people feel like that they can be themselves and, and talk openly about what's bothering them or what the conflict is and and how to solve that. And again, I go back to it generally just conversations. Sometimes we may need a mediator, but uh, it's just a conversation in being able to either agree or disagree or agree to disagree one or the other. So, I mean, we all have to do that, but I'm, I'm glad that First Citizens and our Smart Women program, I'm glad that you're gonna be providing that program for us uh, on helping to manage conflict. And I look really forward to, to many sessions of where you're working uh, with our bank uh, and in our Smart Women program and educating other women in their businesses to help manage conflict. So uh, it's, it's real. Yes, I'm really looking forward to um, talking with your constituents. But as you said, you know, conflict resolution, you could read a million books on it and there's a lot of jargon, but it's simple. It is what you said. It is, it is listening it is. and being open-minded. It really is simple, but we need help doing simple things. So as you brought up Smart Women, it's a wonderful organization that you started. Could you please tell our listeners about it? Yeah, so Smart Women, uh, my bank, uh, I, you know, as a banker, I just realized I was going through a lot of financial planning myself, uh, particularly getting ready for retirement. And as I was getting ready to retire, I had, you know, through all the years of banking, I'd learned about savings accounts and IRAs and trust funds and all the things that I knew I, that I knew that Roger and I needed to do. And we managed to do all that. But when it really comes down to, to making sure that you you plan that out, that you really have a trust account set up for whatever reasons, whether it's for the benefit of the children or you have other heirs or you want to give to charities or whatever that is, it got really complicated. So I had to reach out to an expert and help us pull all of that together and, and a financial planner. So, you know, I began to think about other women. If I'm a president and CEO of a bank and I've got years of finance and years of experience in helping others to, to make these decisions, but it's hard for me to make these decisions and feel like that I've got the right plan in place then maybe we need to start a program and, and use the resources of our bank to reach out to other women and help them, number one, to manage their business uh, and, and or to help send their kids to college or just simply provide better financial advice to them just to manage their financial life. Uh, so we made those decisions that if we could help women and empower them to make good financial decisions within their lives and provide that education, 
that we were doing a real service to our communities. And again, we're all about community service, all about building communities and reaching out to women and to others. And, and so we developed the Smart Women program uh, and began to offer those types of programs in libraries. We partnered with the libraries in our local neighborhoods. And as a partnership, we felt like a library just simply said education, you know, a place to come and learn. And we wanted it to, to be a, a setting to where they didn't feel like we were pressuring them to come to our bank for bank services, that we really were offering an environment to learn in. So that's why we partnered with our local libraries. And we've offered this program now. We're probably in our, well, COVID was two years. And so we began to offer it virtual through COVID and we were in person previous to that. So now we've opened back up some in-person uh, classes uh, and, and programs as well as virtual programs. So we hope and we know we're reaching w women across the whole U.S. Uh, with our education programs. So uh, we're really glad to be able to, to do that and to use the resources of the bank to educate women to, and, and to empower them to make financial decisions that are best for them and their families. Financial issues, uh, questions that touch every aspect of our life. They do. They absolutely do. So, Judy, I appreciate so much your time with us today. But as you're leaving and um, our time together, right. you think about the future, what kind of advice do you have for young professionals or really, I suppose, any professional as to bring about a healthy work environment? Well, a healthy work environment starts with your own attitude. Absolutely. I, I feel like I come to work every day and I, I, I try to put on my best attitude. Because if I believe today is a good day, it's probably going to be a good day. And so, yeah, there's going to be some conflict and there's going to be some challenges within that day. But bring a great attitude to work with you. Bring a great, great attitude in life. And, you know, all of us need an attitude adjustment. So find somebody that can, that can help us to, to have an attitude adjustment if we need to do that. Next, I, I just think make sure that you empower yourself. If that's through education, uh, gaining the confidence to, to build in your career, to, to, to meet with your peers, to understand your peers, have the confidence to, to talk over the issues with your peers. It's all about the, the confidence that we have within ourselves and our abilities. So uh, do that and be committed to whatever you do. Be committed to a really good workplace. Be committed to doing your part in making that work environment a good, safe, place to be and people want to come and work and interact with each other so I think it's a, it's a choice um, so just make a good choice each and every day well thank you so much for your time you're welcome and I enjoyed this so much and I really do Mary look forward to uh, next week I think it's the ninth right that's right uh, yes. we'll be in uh, Middle Tennessee so that's I look right. forward to that thank you I appreciate doing this thank you so much we'll talk to you yeah. later bye yeah bye. you're welcome bye Thank you, Judy, for being with us today and for sharing from your wealth of experiences. I greatly appreciate your model of sustained and conscious community involvement and your advocacy for the financial education of women, spearheaded through Smart Women, a financial literacy program designed to educate and empower women to feel confident making difficult financial decisions. If you are interested in being a smart woman or man when it comes to finances, Visit www.firstcnb.com backslash smartwomen to learn more about this program. 
There's a link in the program show notes along with other ways to contact Judy Long. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.